Are you ready to hear the word? You're in for a very special blessing. Uh, a friend of mine since, I think, 89, Bill and Debbie Leckie, they pastored in Big Sandy, Texas when I met them. And they currently reside in Longview where he went to Bible school and uh, met Robert Morris there. They both were dating a girl named Debbie Smith. They had to meet each other to make sure it wasn't the same Debbie Smith. Amen. You're in for a treat. You're going to be encouraged like never before. Bill, come right on, brother. I'll get my lovely assistant here to help me take this scooter away so I don't kill myself. There we go. You know, the title of the message today, thank you, babe. The title of the message today is really appropriate with me hobbling around like this. I titled the message, uh, When Things Don't Go As Planned. Anybody over the past year maybe have that experience? You know, something about a year ago, I don't know, some strange, obscure happening where people had to go online all the time and re-examine how much you hated your couch because it needs to be refinished or what. We're all just stuck at home, right? So did anybody plan that, by the way? Was anyone sharp enough last year to see that coming? because I would love to shake your hand and commend you, because I don't think any of us did. The thing about plans is that um, they don't always work out. Has that been your experience? Have you gone to all the trouble to make a plan, only to have it not work out? Now, I am very fortunate. My wife is extremely gifted uh, in administration. And because of this, she really helps me a lot, and I'm, I'm very grateful for her. Now, some might say she's a little OCD, but please don't say that. I have to go home with her. I can't drive. I've, I've got to go home with her. But she's very organized, and there, in our younger days, if a plan was made, I'm sure no one else in here has this experience, but if a plan was made and it got altered, this was unpleasant. Can you, nobody else, right? Just, this is my experience. Okay, so the, the thing is, we don't really like our plans being altered. In fact, if we go to, some of us, if we make the effort to actually have a plan, how dare anybody mess with the plan? But what's interesting is that when we look at the Scripture and the followers of Christ, what they discovered following Jesus around was that their plans got disrupted over and over again. In fact, what I would tell you today, maybe you want to make note of this, make sure I know which button I'm pushing here. Did that do, did that work? Oh, it worked. That's awesome. Uh, this statement here, let this just resonate with you. No plan is immune from disruption. It's how we respond that determines our experience and our outcomes. And we see this play out for us in Scripture. It is not that your plan cannot be disrupted. In fact, it probably will be. I don't know about you, but when I this has just been my walk with the Lord. I cannot bring a message that I've not lived. I just can't do it. He won't allow it. Even if I try. If I try to say, I'm going to preach on this. It doesn't matter. I wind up living that thing for at least several weeks before I, I, del I deliver it. And I lived it this morning. I lived it this morning. I got up this morning, and I couldn't find my watch. 
Now, that's not a big thing, right? Well, it was to me. I couldn't find my watch. I, I tore my backpack. I dumped everything. I couldn't find it. How many of you men know what happened next? She found it. Yeah, she went and found it in the very backpack that I had dumped and, and swore. It's not there. I left it at home. I know that's what happened. No. No, no. See, that's, that's our reality, isn't it, gentlemen? It, it really is. This is what happens to us. It's how God humbles us. But here's what I've learned. Other than God's plan, no plan is immune from disruption. The writer of Proverbs tells us that we chart our course, we make our plans, but it's God who orders our steps. It's God that orders our steps. So I, I want to just tell you a little story on myself. Now, other than the fact that you notice I'm up here with this, this uh, leg thing going on, um, I broke my ankle. I didn't plan it. I, I didn't get up on that day and decide, you know what, late this evening, I'm going to walk across a flat floor with no obstacles, roll my ankle, and snap it. But that's exactly what happened. I wish I had a cool story to tell you. I really do. I had to kick the door down to get in to rescue someone. No, I was skiing in the Alps. No. No, I was walking across a flat floor with no obstacles or Im impediments in front of me. <laughs> Nothing. Just rolled it. But now I will tell you this. I have rolled this particular ankle probably 25 times since I was a teenager. I've turned it black and blue and purple. I've swollen it up all, so many times. And so I just thought, that's, I've done that again. That's unfortunate. And I hobbled my way. I got back in bed. I managed to sleep through the night. I didn't realize at the time the only reason I was able to sleep through the night is it was dislocated. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't feeling anything. Um, got up the next morning, tried to get up. We were going to church because that's, that's what you do. So I get up, and I'm, I'm getting ready to go to church, and something's not right, something, something wrong. But I didn't plan this. In fact, I had a pretty good plan of how my weekend was going to go. My brother, his wife were over, and, and we were going to go to church together, and it was going to be great, and nope. Nope, I sat at home with my foot elevated on a recliner, and I sent them to church because I couldn't walk. And then we get, they came back, and we went to the ER, and... and uh, you know, I said, well, you know, this is going to be fun. My wife says, oh, I've got some crutches. Now, I'm six foot five. My wife is five foot six. Her crutches, maximum height, five foot ten, fully adjusted. Literally, I thought on the side of the crutches I would find made in the shire for hobbits. That's what I thought I'd find. I'm serious. I am, I'm like the hunchback. I, I'm, I'm just trying to get, but I get to the ER, and all is well. And They look at it, and they do all their stuff, and uh, they say, we really strongly recommend you go to an orthopedic surgeon. I'm like, okay. So we did. Within a couple of days, I had surgery, which I didn't plan that either. Didn't plan that either. So uh, a plate, six screws, and a cable. Later, my ankle is now back together, but I can't use it the way I want to. It's still not what I planned. Plans get disrupted. They happen all the time. And let me tell you something. Just because you're a believer, just because you're a Christ follower, does not mean that your plans won't get interrupted or disrupted. 
I don't like it. Do you? I don't either. I don't like it. But that doesn't change the fact that it is our experience. And often what is taking place is God reminding us that He has a plan even if our plan gets disrupted. He knows what's going on and He's working His plan. And sometimes our plans aren't anywhere near as good as His. And so He will occasionally disrupt our plan because He has a better plan. Right? And so when we look at the Scripture today, I want us to look in the book of Acts, and what we're going to find is what I believe five very helpful things when your plans get disrupted. And we're looking at the life of the early church. These guys have gone through... Now, their plans have been disrupted. They they gave up their lives and said, you know, we're going to follow Jesus. He's the Messiah. And then they killed Him. That's a disruption. Right? The guy, I left my fishing nets, I left my business, I'm following. He's dead. They killed him. That's a disruption. Now, now, just stay with me a second. A few days later, he rises from the dead. That's a disruption. You're just kind of getting your head around. He's gone. He's dead. Whoop! No, he's not. He's back. Then 40 days later, You've just gotten used to him being back. He leaves. It's called the ascension. Goes back into heaven and on his way out says, hey, you boys got this. You're good. Gave you the plan. Now it's up to you. You got it. And we know what happens as we get into the book of Acts and we begin to see uh, the followers of Jesus set in motion what they feel they've been called by him to do. And so prior to Acts 4, we're going to read Acts 4, verses 23 through 31 here in just a moment. Uh, But here's the backdrop that you need to see. Jesus has gone up. He's basically said, you guys got this. Uh, I'm sending power. You're going to be good. Uh, And then you get into Acts 3. Well, Acts 2, you have the day of Pentecost. And there's all these thousands of people who get saved, right? They get saved. This is awesome. The plan is working. We shared the gospel. The plan is working. We got a couple of thousand converts on Acts 3, Peter and John are just going to a prayer meeting. There was no miracle faith healing thing scheduled for that day. But in Acts 3, on their way to go to the prayer meeting, which was their custom, by the way, who knows how many days they had walked past this this crippled guy, who I can relate to today, this crippled guy sitting by the side of the road. He'd been there forever. They'd gone by many times, but on this day... The Holy Spirit was saying something different. And so they come along, they see him, the guy sticks his hand out like he's done thousands of times before and said alms, or he basically was begging, asking for money. And Peter looked at him and said, well, I don't, I don't have that, but I do have what you really need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. The man was healed. He stood up, he went leaping and jumping around. Notable miracle takes place. Peter looks at John and said, hey, let's share the gospel. we got a crowd. They do it. 3,000 more converts to Christ on that day. Hey, this plan is working pretty good. Are you following me? Until it didn't. Because the religious leaders now are very upset. They don't like this at all. The religious leaders did. In fact, they arrest Peter and John, and they threaten them, and they say, don't ever, ever do this again. 
Never do this again. Never have church again, only online. <laughs> in fact, the scripture tells us, the scripture tells us uh, in Acts chapter 3 that they would have thrown them in jail and possibly put them to death, but they feared the people because it was such a notable miracle. They, they knew they couldn't get away with it. Could be a little lesson in there, I don't know. Government will do a lot of things if they get away with it. I know, I know, I'm meddling. Sorry. Sorry. It's true. It's throughout history. I'm not just picking on us. I mean, come on. But it was a notable miracle. And so they, they couldn't do anything, so they let them go. Now, what's interesting is to find here in Acts chapter 4, starting with verse 23, this is how they respond. This is where we're going to see five key things that will help us how to respond when our plans get disrupted. Are you ready? Okay, let's go to the scripture here. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Hmm. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. If you don't underline in your Bible, make an exception. That is a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. He was, they weren't giving any credit to Herod and Pontius Pilate. They were acknowledging that God had a plan and he was working his plan. Now, let me, let me just, I think I need to change that for you, for Scripture. Um, and then it goes on to say, let me just repeat that last part. It bears it. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal. By the way, that's what got them in trouble. <laughs> right? That's what happened. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. All right, now has their plans have been greatly disrupted. They, they had a pretty good thing going, hey, you know what, we'll let fire fall, we'll all talk in, in ways that everybody will hear in their own language, and we'll invite people to know Jesus, they come to Jesus. You know what, we're going to have this little impromptu prayer meeting, this guy's going to get healed, we're going to share the gospel. But then the religious leaders stepped in. The plan has been upended. They've been threatened by people who had the ability for, to fulfill the threat. They could do it. How did they respond? I'm going to give you these five things. Here's the first thing that's really important. It's very, very important. 
don't take it personally. When your plan gets disrupted, don't take it personally. Now, maybe you're like me, and when your plans get interrupted, you believe that the universe, the stars, the planets, all the demons of hell have all aligned to come against you. <laughs> right? You know, it's funny, because we blame the devil for a lot. We really do blame him for a lot. I remember when I was doing college student ministry and stuff, I'd have someone, they'd call me, I can't make it to the meeting. I, the devil attacked me and gave me a flat tire. But I knew this person. I said, you know, I don't think that was the devil. You've been riding on Maypop tires for months. I, I, you know what a Maypop tire, Maypop any minute, right? I said, so you've been riding on Maypop tires for months. You just didn't do your due diligence. You should have replaced that tire. Now you're blaming the devil, right? Now, what's interesting here is, when you look at the response of these followers of Christ, you can tell they didn't take it personally. And how can we tell this? Because they did not go off on the religious leaders. They didn't. We don't see it in the record. They didn't start blaming and complaining and calling the que into question the character of the religious leaders or cursing them or saying they're in league with Satan. They didn't do any of this. You know what Jesus told his disciples? He said, you know what? In the world, you're going to have some trouble. But you need to be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He never promised us a life without disruption. What he promised us is I'll be with you in every step. I'll be with you every step. My plan is unshakable. We got this together, right? So it's important that we recognize that we don't take this personally because when you take it personally, it leads to becoming offended. And when we get offended, we become a victim. We weren't made. We weren't called to be victims. We were called to walk in victory. And I'm going to tell you something about this whole thing of, of victimization. It's, it's not my fault. It's happened to us. Everybody's against me. But let me tell you something. You will never, ever make progress with that mindset. You'll never. In fact, I'll, I'll give you this statement for you to, to think on. Viewing ourselves as victims of our circumstances will allow circumstances to continue to victimize us. How many of you remember this story? Well, I'll get to it in a minute. I'll talk about Peter walking on the water, and I'll seed you with that so you think about it and say, is that really the story? Or was it Jesus walking? I'll let you think about it. They didn't fall prey. They didn't take it personally. They didn't feel like they'd been singled out. They did not begin to blame and complain. I'm going to tell you something about progress in your own journey, in your own life, in your own growth. Where blaming and complaining start, progress stops. It stops. When you look at the children of Israel in the wilderness, they went in circles because all they did was grumble, complain, and blame. They acted like they were the victims of something rather than becoming the victors over their situation and trusting God with them. This is a key. It's important for us to remember. So the very first thing you need to take away today, when your plan gets disrupted, and I hate to tell you this, it'll probably happen before the day is over. Something won't go the way you planned it. They're not all huge disruptions, like last year was a huge disruption. Some of them are just little minor ones, like, I can't find my watch. 
and I was having a conniption. My wife looks at me and says, you got to preach earlier, you better get that right. Did anybody else have a spouse like this? I'm grateful. Helps me. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Don't take it personally. The second thing is we need to check our focus. When things don't go as planned, check your focus. What did they do? They came back, they gave a report and said, this just happened. Then immediately they began to do something. Acknowledged God. They took their eyes off of the threat and put it on the Creator. Instead of focusing on the threat, who was, who was messing with them, who was telling them they couldn't do something, they chose to focus instead on the God of all creation who was sovereign. In fact, that's exactly what they said in those scriptures that we read a moment ago. You're the creator of heaven and earth. You're sovereign. No matter what is happening here, you are in control. That word sovereign goes back to even, we, we would recognize it in our English language going back to medieval days where it was talking about someone whose authority will not even be questioned. Sovereign. <laughs> so what did they do? They didn't take it personally. They checked their focus. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. Well, the reason it's important is this. Whatever has your focus shapes your outcome. Whatever has your focus transforms you. Whatever you're beholding, you're becoming. It's important to realize this. So if our focus is on the threat, our focus is on what isn't working, our focus is on obstacles, if our focus is on all the things that aren't the way we want or the things that we do not have, and we allow ourselves to focus there, it's going to take us down a very bitter path. And it will not end well. It will not end well. But if we will check our focus and adjust and say, you know what, that's not what I planned. That's not what I was wanting to happen. That's not how I thought this would go. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to now remind myself of who's really in charge. I'm going to remind myself of who's in charge. Now let's get to that little story I told you about, Peter walking on the water. Bill, don't you mean Jesus walking on the water? Yes, Jesus did walk on the water. But what most of us forget is that for a short period of time, Peter walked on the water too. You know, the disciples, they're all in this boat. They've been in this storm. It's a crazy thing going on, right? And uh, here's, here's just a little side note for you. When your plan gets disrupted, most of the time, we assume we did something wrong. Why were the disciples in a storm? Did they do something wrong? No, they were, they were in the storm because Jesus said, get in the boat and go across the lake. They were in the storm because they were obeying God, not because they disobeyed. Our, our default sometimes when plans get disrupted, oh, geez, I did something wrong. I must have done something wrong. Maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe God is creating a moment to demonstrate to you that His plan is better than yours. Maybe that's what's happening. So anyway, Peter, he's there, and they're in this storm. The disciples are kind of freaked out. Jesus comes walking on the water, which I don't care who you are, that's weird. Right? That's a little weird. 
That's unexpected. Maybe I should say it that way. That's unexpected. Peter speaks up, and you can just see it. The other guys, they're all cowering in the boat. They're probably saying, oh my gosh, Peter, here you go. Because he was always speaking up. He was always popping off. And he so, so here goes Peter. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. The other disciples are like, oh, geez, this is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> the Lord says, come. And the scripture is clear G- that Jesus calls Peter. He walks on the water. The only time anything changed was when his focus shifted from Jesus to his circumstances. The scripture says when he began to notice the wind and the waves, he sank. He was walking above his circumstances when his focus was on Jesus. When he took his focus off of Jesus and onto his circumstances, he became a victim of his circumstances and fell beneath them. To his credit, he wasn't so prideful that he didn't cry out because he asked for help, and the scripture is very clear. Jesus immediately reached down and pulled him up. Now, how do you think they got back to the boat? They walked together. They walked together. It's important for us to understand the power of our focus. What has your focus? In fact, I'll put it to you this way. What are you looking at? I know that sounds a little offensive. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I don't mean it offensive. I mean it literally as a question. What are you looking at? What has your attention? I tell people all the time, hey, pay attention to what has your attention. Because it's shaping your experience and it's molding your outcome. What are you looking at? Well, my plans have been disrupted. My job that I'd been depending on is not my job anymore. This has been changed. I can't do that. This has changed. I don't make this. This has happened. All this has happened. I didn't plan any of this. Okay, don't take it personally. You're not alone. You're not the only one. Don't go down the path of offense. It won't help you. Check your focus. Check your focus. Who's bigger in your eyes? Your circumstance or God? That's the key. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 tells us that we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our path. It's a great scripture. Here's a third thing that we need to do. Now, this is, this is deep stuff, guys, so you need to really take notes on this. This is, this is a heavy revy. That's what we'd call this. This is a deep revelation. Ask for help. This is what they did next. They, they, they didn't take it personally. They checked their focus. They put it upon the Creator, took it off of the threat, and then the very next thing they said was, Help! Help us. We don't know exactly what's going on. We don't fully understand what's happening, but we're going to need your help to get through on this one. (laughs) Listen, they basically said, come into our circumstance and make a difference. Come into our experience here and make a difference. How do we respond when things don't go as planned? Because how we respond is what determines how we experience that season of life, and what outcomes we get from it. And so it's a big deal. Don't take it personally. Check your focus and ask for help. You know, sometimes I hear Christians say things about prayer like, well, you know, he's a crisis-only prayer person. 
I'm sure no one in here has ever said that to anybody. Probably thought it, but didn't say it. Well, you just pray when you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Some of my best prayers would hurt your ears. The decibel levels. When I'm in trouble, when things aren't going well, when things are going differently than I'd hoped for or planned, I ask for help. Sometimes it's very simple. Things like, God, help me! You know what? He fully understands that prayer. He's always responded, too. He's always shown up. Always shown up. Sometimes we have a fear, and, and, and this is something that you need to be careful of. Don't allow the fear of being a crisis-only prayer person give you a never-pray reality. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're not a person of prayer, you are going to have crisis. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. God wants to talk to you. And if the only way He can get your attention and get you talking to Him is a crisis, He'll bring one. The good news is you don't have to wait for a crisis to talk to Him. That's the good news, right? He's always there. We can have that conversation. I wonder how many crises I've avoided just because I talked to Him today. I'll let you ponder that for a second. It's important that they asked him, and here's what they said, God, here's what we need you to do. They were specific. They said, why don't you show up and heal and do signs and wonders? You know what? That's what got them in trouble to start with. In essence, what they said, though, was, God, what we need from you, show up and show out. God, you come do you. You come be who you are, and we will trust your plan. We're going to get in step with your plan. Our plan Looked good, got a lot of converts, church looked like it was growing, but then they threw us this little monkey wrench here. But So we're just going to get on board with your plan. God, come do what you do. And they aligned themselves with His purposes. So here we are, we're three in here. Don't take it personally. Check your focus, ask for help. Here's a fourth thing, and it's very, very important. You need to take a moment and build up your confidence. When they asked God to help them... When they invited God into their circumstance, something very significant happened. The Holy Spirit showed up and shook everything. We don't always like that either, do we? It shakes us up a little. But you know why God shakes things? You want to know why He shakes things? In fact, there's a, there's a promise in the book of Hebrews that He's going to do it. He's going to shake everything in heaven and earth. He said, I'm going to shake it. He's the shaker way before... Popular pop stars had songs about it. Shake it off. He comes and shakes. Here's why he shakes. To show us what cannot stand in order that we can see what will not move. When things feel like they're shaking in our life, look for what's not moving and go there. Because whatever is moving isn't built on Him. But whatever is built on him stands every circumstance. It's not moving. So he came, and the Holy Spirit shook the place, but he did more than that. He filled every person there, and the Scripture says that the result of that was they began to speak his word with boldness. The Holy Spirit's presence with them 
built their confidence. This is important. I remember when I was a kid learning to ride a bike, and, and no, it wasn't one of those giant one-wheel bikes. It was a normal bike. I was learning to ride a bike, and my parents, maybe you had a similar experience, parent, brother, somebody, kind of running along behind you, holding onto the seat. Anybody else? Does this still happen? Do people still do this? So here's the thing I, I, I remember as a kid. As long as one of my parents had their hand on the back of the seat, I could ride the bike. But the moment I realized their hand was no longer there, catastrophe ensued. Now, it had nothing to do with my ability to ride the bike, mind you. It had everything to do with my confidence that I could ride the bike. Here's the good news for all of us. The Holy Spirit never takes His hand off the seat. He's with us every step of the way. He's with us all the way, throughout every experience of life. The Scripture calls Him the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the comforter, our encourager, the one who says, you can do this and I'm here to help you do it. The one Jesus said would be our guide, our instructor into all truth. The one who would give us words to speak when we didn't know what to say. The Holy Spirit. He's always with us. If you, to build your confidence, you need to remind yourself that the Holy Spirit is with you. And it's also important that you see this phrase. There's two angles to this phrase. The first is, you're not alone. Now, what, what I mean by that is, you're not the only one going through stuff. The enemy's greatest tactic is to isolate us and tell us it's just us. You're the only one. And then our pride, which we think is humility, but it's really pride, leaves in, yes, I am the only one being singled out by Satan to be challenged and have his plans greatly disrupted. It is I, only I. Bill, are you just making this up? No, it's exactly what Elijah said. Elijah hiding in the cave because... Jezebel threatened to kill him after he had seen fire fall from him, this mighty move of God, and he runs and hides the cave. And, and God says, what are, you, what are you doing here? Why are you in the cave? What did he say? Well, you know, I'm, I'm the only one left. It's just me. Now they want to kill me. And God had to remind him, no, 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 no. I've got a whole remnant of people who have never bowed to Baal. What's the tactic of the enemy? Make you think it's just you. Now, I will say this about what we've experienced in the past year. We're all in the same storm. We're not all in the same boat. Okay? We all experience the storm, but we don't all have, we weren't all in the same boat. Some of us have a little bigger boat, rides those waves a little better. Some are in little small boats and they got shook up pretty good. You understand what I'm saying? It's important that we acknowledge that. Not everybody's experience is the same ours, but it is important for us to know we're not alone. I'm not the only one. When you start to think you're the only one, you go back to number one, which is don't take it personally. Or you're going to be you're going to be in trouble. But here's the other side of that: you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is always with you. Jesus said, "I promise that I'm going to be with you. My presence will be with you till the very end of the age." Now, here's the thing: when we come together and we worship and we invite God to come, you know what? He's here. But what we're really saying is, God, increase our awareness of Your presence. See, He's always with us but our awareness of His presence is not always that heightened. 
In fact, it gets dulled by our experiences. It gets dulled by things that distract us, and, and we lose sight of that, right? Now, I, I have a superpower. I'll, I'll just pause and let you think about that. I do. I have a superpower. It's obviously not walking across a flat floor <laughs> without breaking your ankle. That's not my superpower. Here's my superpower. I have the ability to have entire conversations with my spouse while watching television and agree to a list of things that should be done and remember nothing. The superpower. <laughs> come on, some of you fellas, come on, give me, I'm not alone. I am not alone. Here's what I realized. It wasn't that my wife wasn't present. She was present. It was my awareness of her presence that was the issue. And it's not the fact whether God is with you. It is not the fact of whether the Holy Spirit is present with you. It's your awareness of His presence with you. That is the issue. And how does that awareness get heightened? When we worship, when we take time to put our focus on Him, when we spend time in His Word, when we pray, when we get outside of ourselves and say, God, this is about you, not me. And when we do that, our awareness that God is with us. What did the psalmist say? Be still and know I am God. He's God whether you get still or not. But getting still is what helps your awareness that He's God and that He's with you heightens your awareness. Now, what I started doing with my wife is she came into the room that I was watching TV. Uh, I would either mute the TV or turn it off, and I would give her my undivided attention. And some of you are thinking, you are such a good man. <laughs> Let me just stop you. It's self-preservation. I did not want to agree to a list of things I didn't want to do. So I'm listening now. I'm paying attention. It's about our awareness of His presence. So let me just quickly go before I give you the fifth one. Don't take it personally. Check your focus. Ask for help. That's a biggie. Build your confidence by becoming more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. Here's number five, and it's really important. Keep moving. Keep moving. They didn't punt. Any of my football people in here? They didn't punt. What does that mean? Well, we tried, didn't work. Give the ball to them. I see Christians do this all the time. I see churches do it. Well, it didn't work the way we planned it, so I guess we're just going to have to punt. We're going to okay, it didn't work. We, we quit. No. No. When things don't go as planned, don't take it personally. Check your focus, ask for help, build your confidence, and then just keep moving. Go forward trusting that God is going to order your steps. Don't stop. Don't just clap out and say, I'm, I'm done, tap out. I'm done, done, I'm done, done. I see people do this all the time. And let me tell you something. We live in a country that has great liberties and great freedoms that we've all enjoyed, and as churches, we've greatly enjoyed them, but they're not promised they could all go away. And it won't change the kingdom one bit. We won't be happy. I won't like it. I won't, I won't like it. I'm not going to be happy about it. I don't want that to happen. That's not my plan. But I'll tell you this. We ought to at least be prepared that if it goes away, we don't have the freedom to do this anymore. 
Did God fall off his throne? Does the kingdom no longer matter? No. No. So we keep moving. We keep moving. We keep following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'm going to tell you this. I tell people this all the time. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, sooner or later, you need to read the Bible. You do. You just do. You need to read the book. You need to read the book. And if you want to know what happened after this experience we just read today, read the rest of the book of Acts. Turned out pretty good. Turned out pretty good. A lot of their plans got disrupted, and they learned to just make adjustments. They learned how to, to pivot. They learned how to, when things didn't go right, they learned how to make the incremental adjustments, say, God, what are you doing? We'll get in step with you. But they kept moving. In fact, the whole book of Acts is about things not... Sorry, that's me. The whole book of Acts is about things not going the way they thought they might go and then finding that God had a better way. What a great life. In fact, these same people became known in the first century as those who turned the world upside down because they were obviously gifted and great planners. No, because they made a choice. We're going to follow Him. We're going to follow His plan. When plans are disrupted, we can, we can do one of three things. All right? We can, do, we can do one of three things. We can panic. We can get paralyzed. Or we can pivot. We can make adjustments. I can't tell you how many churches I watched over the past 12 months panic. They panic, threw their hands up in the air, ah, and just run. Abandon all sense of purpose, don't know what to do. I've seen others just get paralyzed. It's just hunker down. How's that for a Texas phrase? Hunker down. Hunker down. We had storms go through Longview last night. I'm thinking, man, I bet some people are hunkered down. <laughs> Sometimes we just hunker down, and we're going to wait it out. And I know that there are people who have done that since March of last year. Businesses, organizations, churches, all kinds of groups, hunker down. We're going to survive this. Let's just wait till it blows over. Well, you know what? You might survive it, and some of them are starting to emerge right now. And congratulations, you survived, but you didn't benefit from it at all. You didn't learn anything. There was no benefit. You missed a great opportunity to learn, to learn and to grow. Here's the thing, guys. Those of us who really want to just walk with Jesus, when things don't go the way we plan them, we start looking for what needs to be adjusted. What do I need to do differently? We don't throw in the towel. We don't panic. We don't just give up, tap out. We don't say, okay, we'll just hunker down. Maybe this will blow over. Like, what are you doing? Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? What, am, what, what do you want me to do? Where are you leading? I'll go with you. Now, I, I have to confess, the word pivot gets used a lot, but I, I always see a Friends episode. Where are my friends people at? Yeah, I see you. I saw you grin when I said the word pivot. The old picture of Ross and his couch trying to get up the stairs. Had a plan, wasn't working, yelling, screaming, pivot! To try and turn up the stairs. Doesn't work. You know? But here's the thing. It, it, a pivot is not a massive course change. It's the subtle adjustments to stay on course. But something needs to be adjusted. And that's why it's important for us to kind of think about these I'm going to throw this barrage of A words at you, okay? You ready? You've got to learn to assess, adjust, adapt, and achieve. And this is what happens in the book of Acts. This is what they do. 
They assess the situation. They adjust. They adapt. And then they achieve what God's purposes are in that season. And that's what you and I are all called to do. When things don't go as planned, how you respond is what matters. We've all had our lives disrupted. It's not over. I promise you, it's not over. Your plans will get disrupted again. It's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. And that's what makes what I'm sharing with you today, I think, so helpful. This is something you can refer back to. I hope you will take this with you to work tomorrow. Take this with you to school tomorrow. Think about this. When things don't go as planned, don't take it personally. Check your focus. Ask for help. Build your confidence by reminding yourself of the presence of the Holy Spirit with you, and then keep moving. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that in your word you help us to see things that encourage us because these people who became known as those who would turn the world upside down were just normal people like us. They had your spirit within them and they, they were living their lives and their plans got altered and things went different ways than they thought they would and but God, they, they persevered and they kept walking and, and you moved mightily through them. Lord, that encourages me. Thank you. Thank you. I pray, Lord, for every person here today who is a Christ follower, who already has given their heart to you. Thank you, God, that when our plans are disrupted, your plan stands firm and we can trust you. But if there's anyone here today who, who says, Bill, that sounds amazing, but I don't know if I have that kind of relationship with God that you're describing. I've got great news for you. You can have that kind of relationship with God today. Well, Bill, I grew up in church. I, I've been in church. My, I don't care about that. Do you have the kind of relationship with God that we're talking about today? Because that's what Jesus came to offer you. You can pray a very simple prayer today. If your heart is clear and says, I want that. I want to be able to walk that way with God. And a very simple prayer goes something like this. Jesus, I know that I've messed this thing up called life. I know I don't measure up. But I believe you are who you said you were. I believe you're the Son of God. And I ask you to forgive me for where I have failed. That you would come into my life and that you would become a part of my life and that relationship with you would be real and meaningful. And I promise that I will follow you and I will get to know you and let you lead the way for as long as I live. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today, let me strongly encourage you, when we dismiss here in a few moments, just come and tell someone, hey, I prayed, I prayed that prayer that Bill talked about. It's important for you to take that very next step and say, hey, I, I did that. I, I just prayed that prayer. You know what? I'm so proud of you. Well done. Good job. Good job. For those of us as believers today, I hope you go out of here encouraged 
First of all, that no plan, it's not that you're a bad planner, it's just that no plan is immune from disruption. That you'll go out of here encouraged today and have five things that you can remind yourself of when things don't go the way you plan. Father, I speak a blessing over this house. I thank you so much for every person in this room. I pray that what's said today would be encouragement, go with them throughout the rest of this week, and make a positive difference in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.